0: Sunny 16 presents. Welcome, everyone, to episode 18 of I Dream of Cameras, the podcast about cameras and camera collecting brought to you by the gang at Sunny 16 Podcast. My name is Jeff Greenstein.
1: My name is Gabe Sachs, and 18 is a very, very lucky
0: number. In Hebrew. And I was born on the 18th of October. Just saying. There you go. There you go. So, guys, get those cards and letters ready. I mean, you have about six weeks to pick out a gift for Gabe. What do you want for your birthday? Oh, you know me. Anything to do with film. There you go. By the way, this is just a thing. I think we might have talked about this in our Christmas episode. Yes. If you have a friend who is a photographer and you're trying to figure out what to get them for their birthday, the answer is always film. Yes. 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 Like, why wouldn't you just get them a brick of film? And like, there's so, so many easy. different
1: kinds now. If you want to make it artsy, there's all these different packaging and... All
0: kinds of cool stuff out there. Yeah, so it's absurd that you guys say you can't figure out what to buy for us. Okay, so (laughs) uh, this is going to be an interesting episode, a lightning round episode. We have a lot to cover, and we're going to cover it fast. This is very exciting. I have a list of 24 topics, (laughs) and we're going to try and get through them in 60 minutes. Here we go. (sighs) Topic one, Gabe Sachs. Yes. This week in acquisitions, have you acquired any new gear? Acquisitions and repairs.
1: Yes, I have. I have repaired the Leica Sumlux 1.4 <gasps> that hasn't been fixed in 20 years. And I'm very excited. I used that and that was really great. And I went to look for a meter for my Nikon F2 and I ended up getting an entire camera and a meter. It all <laughs> works. And it was all, except it was $110. And I was very, very excited about that. So that was fun. And thirdly, I got an adaptering, a 60 millimeter extension tube for my Hasselblad and it didn't work. So I had to send it back. <laughs> There you go. There's my history.
0: Well done. Okay, yeah. so we're not going to dig in on any of those things. We're just going to speed along. Why not? I, of course, I don't think I talked about this. Wait, these seven artisans, oh fifty my gosh. millimeter f one point one. Have that we talked about this on the we, show? We have not. You you ordered it, and uh, yeah. it's amazing. Let me tell you guys, this is a great piece of gear. I know I'm supposed to be going fast, but I bought this. I put it on my Leica M6. I shot a friend who was performing at the Baked Potato, which is a local jazz club. This 1.1 lens, which I got for just about $300 from the Amazing. KEH Amazing. on eBay is remarkable. I love it. It's so much fun, and it's gorgeous. I mean, it's pretty. It really looks pretty. That was one thing. The other thing, speaking of extension tubes, which may be the most boring piece of camera equipment, (laughs) I got some extension tubes to help me set up my permanent scanning rig featuring the Olympus Pen F Digital, the 38 millimeter macro, the pen copy stand, and the mongoose. Fantastic. You betcha. I love it. We're gonna cover your Nikon F2 down the line. I feel like a Nikon show might be in. The, in the oh, I'd think? love that. I would love yeah, it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, guys, that may even be our next one. So, if you're if you're loving the idea of a Nikon show, reach out. Let's cover are cards and letters from our rabid yes. fans. I'm going to save the best one for last, okay? <laughs> but we got a few emails, and just want to acknowledge some of our wonderful listeners who have written in. First of all, our buddy Rolf Tessum oh. sent two beautiful emails. This guy, the way he photographs his camera equipment... It it is like the most luscious coffee table book. He sent us a lengthy email, which was sort of the history of his experiences (laughs) using Flash with his Leicas. But then he oh so casually has like a black paint. I think it's an MP or something. Beautiful. Yep. Unbelievable. And then like, oh my God, it's just picture after picture of his gorgeous gear. So thank you for that. And then he followed up. Following on the fact that I spoke briefly about getting my pilot's license, he sent us some pictures about him flying a single-engine plane. And it still look terrifying to me, just so you know. Dude, Rolf, thank you so much. He also said that he passed along our regards to his partner, Linda Ellerby, which made me really happy because I'm a super fan. Very cool. Tom Northenskold, listen, the Leica show got quite a response, Gabe. Yeah. Oh yeah. Quite a response. People mm-hmm. seem to really enjoy that. Tom said, I enjoyed the Leica episode. I don't own one. I doubt I ever will. I'm too cheap. But he <laughs> said his collecting passion of late has been the M system that has an O on the front, the mm-hmm. Olympus OM. Yes. He has two OM1 cameras, an OM2N, and an OM4T. He got all four of these bodies for about six hundred bucks. That's huge. Unbelievable. And he's now collecting the lenses. He has the 35 and the 85. He talks about in this email committing to a system as much as the bodies. So he has limited himself to Nikon and Olympus, which is kind of smart. Like yeah. if you're going to start a collection, that is a smart way to do it. And I know that Gabe <laughs> is now a huge Olympus OM fan. Huge Olympus om Talk OM1 about fan. that for wait, a sec wait, before not we only, move on.
1: Not only am I a huge Olympus OM-1 fan, but that 85 millimeter. Oh, I yes. have to tell you that you know Simon Forrester and you know Freds are like you have to get this lens, but Simon was the first one to sort of turn me onto that lens and say you have to get it, and I love it like it's fantastic for portraits. I think it's really great. And the other news about the Olympus OM1 is our very own Fred Corey yeah. just ordered
0: one, and it's in the yeah. mail, and he's getting it soon. He's so excited. So all the cool kids are doing it. It's happening. I mean, Keith, Keith- Greenstein, our artist, has one. Yeah, Fred, our composer, has one. Guys, get in there before the prices is skyrocketing. Oh, we are sky single-handedly. Yeah. We are single-handedly doing that, I think. We have taken the OM1 <laughs> to the next level. Exactly. So Tom, thanks for that email. That was great. Ruben Robles, I hope I am pronouncing Ruben's name right. I'm giving it a little bit of a Spanish flair. He is trapping photons on Instagram. He said, thanks so much for your informative and entertaining podcast. He loves the info, the stories, the banner, and he loves freaks and geeks. Yes. He said, I really enjoyed your Leica episode. I've always been Leica curious. He says he may finally dive in in the next year. He started his Leica savings account for that. (laughs) He said, in the meantime, to get his rangefinder fix, he has bought a Canon rangefinder camera with the 50 millimeter 1.4 leica thread mount which is apparently called the japanese sumalux never heard that that's exciting he's excited because he knows that lens can be adapted to leica m cameras and this he thinks will be his gateway drug to a hardcore leica addiction oh my golly yes now neither of us has ever owned a canon rangefinder am i correct about i'm talking about this the interchangeable lens kind yes I am, I am taking a
1: hard look at Yeah, you've been talking it. about that. You've been saying you've been uh, glancing a little bit at the eBay late
0: at night. Yes, I have a couple of these Canon VIs bookmarked because one of our other wonderful listeners recommended that. And so I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Yep. Ruben also suggests we do a show about Japanese rangefinders. He says there are a lot of rangefinder beauties out there. Yes, guys, you Tons. bet. I mean, that's where the action is. Okay. I want to give this the appropriate drum roll, because James Thorpe (laughs) wrote in to us, and I just want to preface this by saying, it actually, my heart leapt into my throat, just because of the subject line, which says, episode 17, notes, (laughs) exclamation point. Oh my God. We're so used to that. Exactly. Here's what he wrote, and I'm going to try and read it as if I'm a television executive. Go for it. Gentlemen. I've just read episode 17 and I have to say that myself and the rest of our network team chase Aspen, Lawanda, and the Moominshance twins all agree that we're off to a really great start. There are some lovely moments of humor and heart, and we think that most of the bones are here, over which we can stretch the skin of another fine episode. Moving forward to the next draft, let's look for opportunities to mine some more emotional gold. After all, Jeff and Gabe are characters we've grown to know and love over the course of this season, and we really (laughs) think it's critical our audience not just connects with them, but Bonds with them We also would like to explore A deeper resonance of theme throughout For example Does Gabe's constant need to acquire more and more Leicas reflect a deep-seated Psychological yearning to fill some emotional Hole in his soul And does Jeff's obsessive quest for perfection Illustrate the darker psyche Of a character who perhaps feels His life is spinning out of control Again, it's that mixture Of humor and heart You do so well We'd like to save our dialogue notes for the next pass. So good. We are sure some of the OTN-ness, now that is on-the-noseness, <laughs> evident here, is just a symptom of first draft-itis. Yeah. I'll be taking a few personal days to deal with the death of my beloved kitty, Kat. But if you have any questions, the rest of the team is at your disposal. Best regards, James Thorpe. He slash him slash it slash three. P.S. Oh, man. Milo from accounting just popped into my office with a great title idea. You like-a me. You really like-a me. (laughs) Sorry, guys. I couldn't resist.
1: Dude. I mean, that is so right on. I mean, just the the language. I mean, you think you're making fun of it and like, oh, this would never happen. That is exactly it.
0: Those are conversations we've had. It is exactly it. The tone, the... the Forced Bonamie, it's like <laughs> e- in every way. It it's is so right on good
1: on. and so right on.
0: So James, God, I mean, that is uncanny. You think, yeah. does he work in television? I don't know. But that I don't was, know, but that you, sounds right on. Thank you for on. that. It was really traumatizing, so thank you for that. <laughs> One other little feedback thing before we move on. We spoke in a previous episode about who makes your film, and we were referred to a Wikipedia page. Well, guys, I found a page that's even better. Wow. It's called the Big Film Database. And it's a weird URL, so to make it easy on you guys, I made a tiny URL so that you can go to it, okay? (laughs) So if you go to tinyurl.com slash whatisthatfilm, it links to a page where you can search by the DX code, or you can search by the name, and it will tell you who really makes your film. So check this out, guys. It's called the Big Film Database, and there are 8,406 films in the database oh
1: i, so I bet a there's database. a lot of surprises in there oh yes. definitely. A- yeah definitely everything is foma Yep. spoiler alert everything FOMA. is foma <laughs> yes. you just
0: gave it away okay one of the other things that we bookmarked for this lightning round episode gabe are you ready because i'm gonna throw this just at you. go ahead are i don't ready? know let's see what happens okay. i know nothing about this by the way that's the this best is part about, are you in okay i was gonna about to say are you in front of your computer which is the most absurd question ever okay, okay. One of the things we talked about, we wanted to give you sort of a microcosm of how we research a camera for possible purchase. And so one of the things we talked about was a little game where I throw a camera at Gabe that he would be interested in acquiring. And he does the research on the fly and narrates as he does it. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Go ahead. What do we got? Here's what I'm pitching to you. Okay. I don't think you have this camera. Okay. You ready? Yeah, he's getting ready. I'm he very put nervous. His glasses on. Here I'm he goes. very nervous. The here it comes, the Kodak Retina three C. Go. Okay. Okay, he's typing. I'm gonna do a okay. little play-by-play playback. Kodak here.
1: Retina three C. Okay. So then the first thing I do is go to. I'll probably I'd probably go to a video, and then we go to reviews. There's a lot. It's a first of all, it's a beautiful camera. It is really cool. German built. German built. Compact folding. 35mm range rangefinder from the late 1950s. It has got one of those cool cases with the silver trim. Okay, I love that. Okay, okay, okay. So then the next thing I do, of course, is go to Kodak Retina 3C on eBay, just, you know, because I go right Right. to that just because I'm impatient and I want to see if anyone has it. And then they have it. And of course, I go right to the buy it now. And (laughs) then I go right to the item location and see if I can find it in uh, the US and see what I... And that prices are sort of all over the place. So, So, you know, and the other thing I'm looking for is that 100% 100% feedback like there's 97.4. I'm not going to go to that. I'm, I see a 97.4. <laughs> nope. Nope. You lost me, right? At 97.4. 99.3. Maybe, but probably not. Let's go. We got 97.2. Okay. So this means that retina owners don't treat their cameras so well. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, 325, 329. I don't know. I'm I'm a little except there's one with fifteen watching, ninety nine (gasps) point six. Okay, so that to me, and it has camera in the name. It looks beautiful. It's ready to shoot. That's that's the best description
0: ever. This is
1: great. uh, This would be the one I would get. This is the one
0: I'm getting. The other thing you mentioned that you might do in the course of your research is go to Flickr and look at always. pictures that are taken with that camera. Yes, definitely. I go I go through it and see.
1: I'll usually go to portraits because always that's what I'm interested the most. So I will go to Flickr portraits or I will also go to Lomography and they have a bunch of great shots there and go to those portraits as well. And sometimes I'll just look on Google and there'll be a ton of photographers that come up that use the camera and that would be it. That would be my process, but really someone with 100% feedback and someone who will communicate with me. There you
0: go. Yeah. Okay. So that's amazing. Look how fast he did that. Okay. (laughs) I'm really worried you're actually going to buy this camera. No, I'm not. I put the idea in your head. Okay, good, good. (laughs) Any other things that you would do? Do you listen to podcasts about the camera? Yes, I would go on YouTube
1: and I would immediately put in... Retina 3C, and I guarantee you there's someone there who will explain it to me. And after I I fall asleep from that, I will then go look at someone else who (laughs) who will explain it. And it just goes on and on. And then I get all the information. I'm very happy.
0: Okay. Are there any particular photography or gear review blogs that you lean hard on in looking at a particular camera that you're interested in?
1: Yeah, Emulsive 35mm. You know, I mean I it's the usual photoblographer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean right. it's
1: it's I'll always check all those sites and just see what what's there. But I also go, you know, I'll check Matt Day and see if he's used any of those cameras. I do that a lot on YouTube and that's pretty much it. And usually Instagram, you know what I'll do? I'll put pound retina three C. Oh all the pictures smarty. come up. All smarty. the pictures come up on Instagram and then I can make a decision. And then by the time I have made that decision, the one I wanted is already purchased.
0: Okay, this is the final thing I'm going to ask you about this. (laughs) You won't even look at a pure auction you only want to see buy it now? Yeah, look, okay? (laughs) I have the patience of
1: a zit, okay? There is absolutely, (laughs) there is no waiting for me. I don't wait for anything. I can't wait for anything. I get so impatient. And if I have to, like Fred was able to wait for that Olympus and he won it. But um I don't know. I used to be, but maybe maybe I'll give it another shot. But I'm really, like, I want that thing, and
0: hopefully I can get it. Okay, well done. So there you go, guys. Okay. Gabe Sachs in action. That was really good. <laughs> Next topic. Okay, as you know, I'm a fan of bulk loading. Gabe, you're still not doing that, are you? No, but I do have yeah. every... I mean, I have it from 20 years ago. I mean, I
1: used, I used to bulk load. I used to love it because... You know, film was much cheaper then, and yeah. uh, I would get it, and I would do it, and I, I would love it. I had the metal canisters, and it was a
0: blast and a lot of fun, and then I got tired of it. Okay, well, I am midway through my second 100-foot roll. Wow. My first was HP5. My second is Double X. I have already bought the third, which is Pan F. Wow. How about that? Because Mm -hmm. I was like so infatuated with Panatomic X, I thought my next bulk load will be slow speed, black and white. So that's exciting. Here's what's hanging me up, guys. And I need some feedback on this. Cassettes. Yeah. Bulk-loading cassettes suck. I ordered the Kodak SnapCap, and I recounted in a previous episode how these metal cassettes, which seem so snazz, are prone to light leaks, and you can't reuse them very often because they get bent, Yep. and also the felt wears out. So I ordered some of the plastic ones made by Cult, with a K. The felt flakes off. Oh, that's like just, what you you it, just what yeah, you just want. Just what you want in your Exactly. Exactly. So I've gone back to reusing cassettes, I keep a, I keep like a jar of them in my living room. Right. <laughs> and, uh, so I've gone back to reusing, but guys, what do you use? Do you have a favorite cassette for bulk loading? And is this a deal breaker? Everything that I've just said to you. So let's hear some feedback on that. Yep. I feel like I've just like eliminated any residual desire you might've had. to do I will this. tell you that
1: CCR just did an
0: episode
1: on bulk loading and it was pretty fascinating. Like I would actually turn people over to that episode because yeah, that it was, is a good and episode. they, and they had that the same frustrations you know some are better some you know you don't use them it's not an unlimited use kind of thing it's you know you have to limit yourself and yeah, yeah. so uh, that was a, that's a great episode
0: classic camera Absolutely. revival if you
1: didn't know yes very good
0: all right I'm going to throw this to you this is an extension of a conversation that we had this morning because I read a very interesting article I believe it was on lithub.com am I correct about that hmm. about Robert Kappa oh my gosh yeah. do you want to recount a little bit of what was in that article that we shared this morning well I, first of all I, it,
1: it it was a shocker to me i have always thought of Robert kappa as Robert kappa <laughs> and that's <Yeah>. it <laughs> this you know wartime photographer had these unbelievable iconic images and that's it so that's that's where i'm at and then you send this article that maybe there really wasn't an official
0: Robert Kappa. Yeah. That it was a character that this gentleman and his wife invented. Yeah. And she took maybe as many of the photographs as he did. And there was a lot of myth-making around Robert Kappa. Uh, we know, for example, we know that the falling soldier photograph may not have been a falling soldier. And then it may not even been taken during— uh, It was also in the area. It's like they're not even sure if it was taken in the right Right, place. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, this was sort of dovetailing with another conversation. You said you had watched the Vivian Meyer documentary, and you were kind of thinking about the myth making around her as well. Yeah, I mean, I look, I'm, I'm fascinated with those images. I actually
1: couldn't I, when I watched it again. I just couldn't believe how many rolls of unprocessed film. Yes, like thousands and thousands of unprocessed 35, and thousands and thousands of unprocessed 120. Yeah. It was unbelievable. But her, you know, some of those shots, I just, I absolutely love. And it's fascinating that she kept that so secret. And she didn't want anyone to really know other than she had a camera with her all the time. She really? had a camera with her all the time. She was a nanny, and she took these kids out and took pictures all the time. And she would stop. And they sort of said in the documentary that she would stop anyone and shoot. And one, one of the kids that she was watching got hit by a car you know I mean he was okay but he got hit by a car and she just kept taking
0: pictures yeah yeah (laughs) I I mean interesting pathology there
1: interesting stuff there yeah
0: I just think it's interesting that in both of these cases, we have a photographer in Robert Capa who has been an iconic name for almost 100 years. That We've been talking about what an important figure he is, and now there are a lot of questions about how much of that is real. And then weirdly, Vivian Meyer, who has become an iconic photographer in the relatively near term there is a tendency to want to fill in these gaps, these shadows, and and fill them with intrigue and so forth. And in each case, these artists are somewhat unknowable. And in Vivian Meyer's case, as you said, not only was she sort of unknowable, she actively resisted being known. Right. I did get a little pushback on my Vivian Meyer (laughs) remarks in a prior episode, which is totally fine. I like that. Um, But I do continue to question the intentionality of this photographer. And the pushback I got was, well, we don't really even know how intentional Cartier-Bresson was. To which my response was, well, yeah, we do. Because he wrote books about what he did. We don't really know that much about Vivian Meyer and absolutely there are arresting images. And absolutely Kappa took arresting images. But to try and marry... The imagery that we find so affecting to a narrative about a person, to me, is extremely dangerous. And I'm not even entirely sure that's what photography is for. So uh, here's my question for you. Where
1: did that money come from? She processed tons and tons of film. She had three Roloflex cameras. I believe I may have this wrong, guys. She had a Leica 3-something, maybe a C and she traveled and she went i mean there's something it wasn't just nanny money in my head i mean it's fascinating to me because she really you know went all over the world so i just it's that was that was fascinating but i did like the part where she did want to get her stuff printed like she was at a point in her life where she wanted to get all her stuff printed so interesting
0: But these are confusing stories and I yes. think that's that that makes them intriguing and provocative but we'll never really know. The Robert Capa thing, I just can't. And that the fact, the other thing you didn't
1: mention, I don't think, is that he and his wife you don't like
0: she shot some of his pictures yeah. too. She shot like half of them. That's, they think as many as half of those photographs may have been shot by his wife. And Capa was sort of this character that yeah. they invented, and they gave him panache. He wrote a memoir, which I own. I now want to go back and reread this. Slightly out of focus, right? Yes, yeah, slightly out yeah. of focus, which I stumbled upon a first edition of it. I just want to go back and relook at this and see how much sort of self-mythologizing is going on. Listen, this is not a new thing. Helmut Newton did it. Uh, Ouija did it. There's a lot of self-mythologizing that goes on with photographers. Okay, moving on. We have spoken about various price ranges in which you can acquire a camera. We talked a little bit about like what you could get for like $30 to $60, yep. right? Yep. You had suggested maybe we look at what the ideal $300 camera is. Like yeah. if you want to go get something nice, what would your pick be for like the $300 camera? You're going to spend a little money on a camera and a lens for $300. I would probably search for the F2
1: and a 50mm one4 That would hopefully fall into that 250 to 300 zone. Yeah. Doesn't always happen, but that would be very exciting. And of course, I would definitely go for the Olympus OM1, trying to find that with a clear viewfinder. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Because anyone who wants filthy, dirty viewfinders can please call me and I will send them to them. And me. Same. Exactly. And the 50 millimeter 1.4 on that camera as well. I, I, those would be my go to. I would also, now weight wise or heavy wise, I would, uh, the Minolta, uh, X7. I love the pictures I got from that. I really, really, the XE7? Yes. The XE7 XE7 is sort of
0: a, that's a cousin to the Leica Flex, right? Yes, yes, yes. Those are great.
1: And, uh, I think that was a great one. And then, yeah, that's,
0: that's my choices off the top of my head. What do you think? I'm interested that you said three SLRs. Are there any rangefinder cameras in the $300 range that you could recommend? No. Uh, no, no, no. I'm kidding.
1: I would say, I, I would say you know, it, it's funny because I almost said it like a three. And it just isn't there anymore. Mm, not possible. It was not, last not really year. Um, it was before we started it, it, this podcast. Before we started the What do you think? What do you think is a rangefinder that you would love?
0: I'm a little surprised because I you actually almost said exactly what I was going to recommend. I would say a Nikon F. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Which might be a skosh cheaper than the F2. i Absolutely. could be wrong about that. No, I think you're right. I, the Nikon F is uh, it's the greatest 35 millimeter SLR ever made. Right. And they are bulletproof. And you can find a really nice, functional, thrashed F right. for well under $300. And then you spend the rest on a nice lens. Right. So I think Nikon F, you don't need the photomic prism. Nope. Uh, which to me is not attractive. I would go the Dennis Hopper <laughs> route and get the plain prism if you can find it. And just sunny 16 it, guys. Or use a handheld meter. Or use a photometer app on your Phone or whatever, I would just go right there. That to me is like the answer. You know, it's, I don't think of the Olympus OM1 as a $300 camera, though I guess it probably is now. So that would be another fantastic choice. In the rangefinder realm, Olympus 35RD, which is the notch up oh, from the RC. Interesting. Those are a little on the more expensive side. It is also a cousin to the 35SP, which is a spot meter rangefinder camera. They have phenomenal Zuiqo lenses their prices have been creeping up which is why they're now in the 250 to 300 range obviously lenses are not interchangeable but Olympus rangefinders guys are so damn good right and if there's also the you know Canon G3QL17 those are creeping up toward the $300 mark now which is bananas I wouldn't do that I don't love that camera as much but the 35RD and the 35SP are phenomenal right so that would be my pick are we leaving out anything? I'm trying to think. Is there anything? There's not a medium format you can get for that much, is there? I don't think so.
1: Unless yeah. you go to a really, 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 really fancy garage sale, and they're just getting rid of everything.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here's a. This is something that you wrote in the notes for like a topic for a future episode. Yes. I'm going to throw this to you because I'm not sure exactly what you want to talk about here. Oh, is no. patience and willingness to learn something new. Yes,
1: I think this was um, this was talking about getting into large format. And oh, okay. I think that that's something I need, it's the patience part that I'm not so good at. And uh, when I see friends working these uh, speed graphics and you know the Graflex and all these cameras, I'm very excited about taking portraits with these cameras. It's the patience part and I'm so I talk myself out of it because it's the loading the 4x5 film. That I know I'm going to screw up in my head. Interesting. And I always say that, and then I go, I'm going to put, I'm going to put it in the camera, and then I have to. Oh shit! I forgot this other thing. Or I forgot this. I forgot that. I yeah. forgot. That. I, I'm always in that mode, unfortunately. That I'm going to forget something, and that's what turns me. And then I just
0: go, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> it is kind of a cousin to. I have the gear, but I have the fear. It's a bit of a cousin to that because I think that we can get held back by being impatient to master something as quickly as possible, I definitely am that way. Yeah. And it's hard for me to feel incompetent. Um, I even had a moment the other day, just back to bulk loading for a minute, where I realized that I had spun off like a couple of feet of film with the gate closed. Right. So clearly I had scratched like two feet of film and I just had a moment of just supreme self-hatred. Like, <laughs> why am I so stupid? Well, right. what happened was I was rushing to get it going and I forgot to open the gate. So... It is, you know, we talk about how analog photography slows us down, but we still have these instincts to speed up. Right. And to get there as quickly as possible. And I also have an instinctive recoiling from anything that I can't master quickly, which is also terrible. So it is a lesson in patience and a lesson in open-heartedness for sure. Next topic. Yes, doing your own printing. We have not really talked so much about printing. Either. No, we have not. Darkroom printing or inkjet printing. Do you print your stuff? I absolutely do not. <laughs> ah. I
1: love the I love the idea of it. I have got to figure out how to fit the. I do have an enlarger. I have everything I need. I yeah. just need to figure out how it can fit into the bathroom in my office in my house. That's sort how, of what, what enlarger do you have? The Bessler
0: 23C, uh, oh. C, the big one. That's a great enlarger. It's a great you do need enlarger. some
1: room, though. Yeah. It, it is kind of big. It's I am so excited. But this is this is the enlarger that I told you that I bought and went down to San Diego and bought the guy's entire darkroom. Oh,
0: yeah. You bought the whole thing.
1: Everything in his darkroom. And I couldn't even do you fit have all of it in my car. you have the easel and the trays everything. and the bulb and the lens? Everything, and- everything, everything, everything. everything. Okay. And uh, lenses, I think he gave me four lenses with it. I mean, it's really fantastic.
0: What about inkjet printing? Do you ever print your stuff on an inkjet printer?
1: No. I mean, I, I used to have um, an Epson, eight, is it an 800? Was that one? An 8000? Could be. Anyway. Yeah. And I just didn't have much luck with it. But I would love that. I would love to get back into that.
0: I have a very good inkjet printer. Mm-hmm. It's old, but it's one of those that has like, Eight different ink cartridges in it, so it's incredibly expensive to maintain, but it does print very nice 16 by 19 pictures, which is nice. That's amazing. So I can print a very—there's actually a number of them around my house. Mm-hmm. You, When you get close, you can tell it's not a darkroom print. Right. But particularly for, like, black and white and stuff, I think it looks wonderful. That's and great. And I actually had a moment the other day—I'm just going to encourage you all to do this as well— I have my meager Instagram feed where I will occasionally post the occasional photo. There was a photo that I posted of two palm trees that kind of look like they're a couple. I don't know how to explain it. But guys, go back on my Instagram, you'll see. It got more likes than any photo I have ever posted on Instagram. And I thought, that's an interesting sign. Like, let me take another look at this image. And I took a look at it and I thought, that is a very nice image and I'm gonna print it out and put it up in my house. Yep. So I printed it out and I put it up in my house. You can get frames very, very cheaply. You can get them at your local Target. Yep. And you can print to the size, right, when you have an inkjet printer. Print to the size you need. Put it in a frame. It's so nice to be surrounded by images that you made. I know. And it's also, it's, it's you know, the photographer Sheila Bensner. Yes.
1: So, I was in New York and her son was a friend and, and I got to visit her gallery and talk to her and sort of hear about her process and and I was holding a digital camera at the end and she and she took me over to and just opened drawers of prints and handed them to me to feel them. And yeah. I love her photography. She's just amazing. But it was like just to hold them and, and she goes, all your stuff is on your computer. Like yeah. it's just on your hard drive. It's like this is what it's about. And so it really um it really had an influence on me. Also getting back into film photography.
0: Yeah. The other thing I constantly think about doing, we have four or five really nice public dark rooms in yep. Los Angeles. I have them all bookmarked. I've never gone to one. You know, so it's a matter. Yes, of course, if you have the equipment, you can set it up in your house, but you can spend 50 bucks to rent a public dark room. They will have all the chemicals there and yep. all the gear, and you can print to your heart's content, right? You bring there was in one the paper. in Santa Monica that I used, and I loved it. I used to love it. All right, we're going to make a pact to do this. Yep. Let's do it. All right, we're going to do this in a future episode. We're going to Gabe and I'll split up uh, an hour at one of these places, and we'll do some printing because I I haven't done printing since I was like twelve years old. Oh, we have, but it's all the all the knowledge is in there. I still remember how to do it. That's exciting. Okay, but inkjet printing is a cheap way to do it, and it's not bad. You don't need a dark room. Good inkjet printing. Yeah. Okay. Love it. Next topic. Yes. I don't know what this is, Gabe, but Uh it was on your list. Oh boy. What's a focus point?
1: (laughs) It was on my list. That's so funny. Focus, oh, focus points. Focus points. It's on your list. I I I swear, Jeff Greenstein. I have no idea what that means. Focus Okay. Points. When I saw what it, what do you think I, was I, thinking
0: I it, it could mean one of two things. It could mean that there is the way in which a digital or autofocus camera appraises a scene and decides where to focus. And the fact that like I know what it is. No. I just realized I
1: just realized. (laughs) It's where I focus on portraits. I mean, I'm always about the eyes. And and I have been told, you know, some people have said that, you know, the bridge of the nose and that's another area to go for. But I've always been a person about the eyeballs and everything else can fall off in my mind. So I think that's that's probably what I was talking about is is sort of ways to focus and then if it's far away and i can't really see the eyes then i sort of get into a dilemma with like yeah what
0: will get close what will get be yeah. closer to that yeah do you ever i don't do this enough but do you ever set your lens for like a hyperfocal distance like never. between i don't do this either nope, never i know i should this is this something that like i such learned such a jeff greenstein thing, thing. It is such a Jeff Greenstein thing because what it basically does... Okay, let's talk about what we're saying. Okay, if you stop your camera down to f8, you have sufficient depth of field. So the chances are, every with reasonable film speed and all that stuff, chances are at a reasonable shutter speed, everything from three feet to infinity is going to be in focus. So what smart street photographers do is they set to f8, they set to a reasonable shutter speed, and they just shoot away. They don't even focus. They just leave it at that focus point So, they know those things that range will be in focus. I never do this. I have to focus every shot. Never. Same thing. That's why I'm so freaked out about this Olympus
1: uh, XA4. Like, I can't even, I'm like so nervous about, like,
0: like, how are these going to be in focus? I have to, how am I going to measure the distance? So, anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We were, Gabe and I were talking about this this morning. We both have XA4s. XA4 has become one of my favorite pocket cameras it's so good it's got a wide angle macro lens but you do have to set the focus manually and it's scale focus, so you don't have any focusing aids Right. and you're freaking out because you're worried I have never shot an out of focus shot with this camera because I use 400 speed and up and chances are in daylight it's going to stop down to 5.6 8 11 and everything's going to be in focus it's a wide angle lens there you go I got depth of field galore alright <laughs> Next topic. Yes. People inventing cameras, 3D printed cameras. Will these cameras be collectible? Do they interest you? Thoughts? Some of them do.
1: I mean, the medium format versions really interest me. I'm I'm sort of fascinated with them. I know that Trev Lee has a, I believe, a 3D printed camera, and the pictures are amazing from it. Yeah. I'm really interested in them. I haven't held one in person, but I'm fascinated with people who want to sort of bring those cameras to light. I think the next step is once they have all the mechanics of it is sort of making them you know fancy pants you know what i mean i think that there's gonna be trims and cool colors and craziness and what makes them custom
0: and sort of what's i I think that's going to be very interesting to see this Puts me in mind of two things first of all that is what is happening with pinhole cameras yep. i mean pinhole cameras have become these objects of beauty beautiful even if you don't shoot with them it's a lovely wood grain with metal accents and they're just gorgeous to have even if you don't shoot with them that often because they don't have and this leads us to the other thing i wanted to talk about they do not have a shutter right and that is the ball game yep you know, we have seen there was apparently a conference call regarding the Reflex, which was a crowdfunded 35 millimeter SLR. There was a, basically, after four years, the people who funded this thing learned that there will never be a camera. And why did it fail? Shutter. Yep. Shutters are very, very hard to manufacture. And so, pinhole cameras are easy to 3D print, but, you know, it's, it's a very complex mechanical object. That is hard to make. And so this is where, I don't know. I don't know. Would you collect one? What do you think? I mean, I have been flirting with getting an Ethan Moses camera because I love Ethan so much. And because the way in which he has gone about running CameraDactyl and the kind of cameras that he makes, you know, medium format, panoramic. I just think his interest is entirely overlaps with mine. Right. So I could see doing it. I could see doing it, but I don't really want to assemble it myself. Right. And that's a little bit of work. Right. Um, his last panoramic camera, I think you could opt to order it pre-assembled, but he was kind of encouraging you not to. He was going to sell you the plans. You take it to your local 3D printing bureau, or you print it on your 3D printer, and then you spend eight hours assembling it, which for Ethan is a joyful afternoon. Of course. And to us, it's misery. Yeah, so... <laughs> But it intrigues me. I think they're cool. Like I said, particularly panorama. That's like Things where you're building a camera that fills a niche that other cameras you can buy don't necessarily. Right. Okay. What famous photographer used my camera? This is another Gabe pitch. Oh, yeah. Do you think about that? You do think about that much more than I do, I think. I think it's always with the Roloflex.
1: Ah. I really think it's really, but, you know, Richard Avedon and... And Vivian Meyer. And of course, uh, you know, I think that's that always interests me because I look at their work. I also look at them, their work on a tripod, you know, because yeah. that's something I just don't use enough. And uh, if I didn't live in California, I would be using it all the time. But for some reason out here, when you use a tripod at a park or somewhere, they come up to you and say, that's a professional shoot. And yes. you can't use a tripod. So. Not sure what the difference is, but anyway. So yes, I do. I do think of it in in that regard. Or you know, I think with the Hasselblad, I'll think of Anton Corbain, who I love his work so much. His rock and roll photography is incredible, and his slightly out of focus coolness is something. Yes, I aspire to figure out. Yeah, and that stuff is is that stuff. I always I always think about those people. Or and also. You know, Mark Seliger, who turned me on to the Pentax 6x7 and seeing his work. I mean, if you haven't seen uh, In My Stairwell, it's just spectacular. That's one of those books you have to see. And, yeah, I,
0: I always think about those types of people. Yep. It's interesting that i, I there are such strong associations between cameras and photographers it's funny because when I think of a Hasselblad I think of the cover of Elvis Costello's this year's model album right right. but yeah it is strongly associated with uh, and also David Hemmings in blow up he shoots all of his studio stuff with a Hasselblad on a tripod but when I think of like the Nikon F I think of David Hemmings in blow up Dennis Hopper both in his own photography and in Apocalypse Now when I think of the Polaroid Big Shot I think of Andy Warhol yeah right you said like the Roloflex TLR, for sure. That has strong associations. Diane Arbus and the Mamiya C330. Oh, 100%. It's just interesting. these, And of course, Cartier-Bresson with like a screw Mount Leica. Right. Right? Definitely. It's like one of the strongest associations there is. It's kind of fascinating. Eugene Smith and the Olympus Pen F. Yep. Right? Yep. So I guess I do think about that stuff just a little bit. It's yeah. sexy. There are a couple of good books. There's a book I have called Photographers Photographed which is really neat. And there's also, by the way, an Instagram feed called Photographers Photographed. Now it's with their follow. cameras? Is it with their cameras? Sometimes. See, sometimes. I'm, I'm the, totally into... Like, I want that book with the photographers and their cameras. I'm excited. It's yeah. so cool. And I will tell you, on the rare, rare, rare occasion where a photographer has an Alpa, oh my God, I find it mind-blowingly exciting. That's who, also like... Who was that photographer? <laughs> Actually, it was a photographer who... I can't, this came up when I was doing an exhaustive search on the internet one night for everything I could find out about the right. Alpha. One of the photographers who photographed the Kennedy assassination. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. It was an Alpha 7, really unwieldy, slow handling camera. Uh, but he talks about it in, I guess, a memoir he wrote about his experiences. Oh, that's as a interesting. In the 60s. Yep. Yeah. But uh, I love the Tokyo camera style. I have that book and I follow that Instagram. Yeah. I love seeing the cameras that turn up on the streets of Tokyo. Oh, definitely. Related to this, sexy shutter sounds. Yes. Gabe, yes. what is the sexiest shutter sound from a camera? Okay, so this is, this is
1: what I think. I think it really comes down to what we associate with a camera for a shoot in the 70s so that would be the oh, Nikon okay. motor drive that Nikon motor oh, Drive. Yeah. Ksh, 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 ksh. that's pretty fascinating to me that feels it's it's so great I mean okay the like is quiet I think I think there's something cool about the context RX I believe I may oh. have it wrong or the is N- that the
0: one with the the it's electronic kind of- Yes, but it just—it just
1: has a very quiet, beautiful shutter speed. I think the Hasselblad. I I, I love the, that that chunk and I think that the one that doesn't fall under that is the six by seven, which is just a loud ka-chunk. and you're sure the yeah. camera's broken. Which yeah. of course mine is, and it's at the
0: repair shop. But <laughs> other than that, other than that, don't worry about it. All right. Well, here are the three that come to mind. For yes. Me. It will not surprise you that one is the Alpha, Of okay? course, of course. And you have fired that thing, yes, right? So you know cool. It yep. is like firing a shotgun. Definitely. It is not subtle at all. No. But when you take a picture with that, you feel like you are you've done piercing something. a sheet of metal. Yes, like you've done something. Yep, you've, you've yes. arrived at the picture. <laughs> yes. The Leica M3 is so delicious yep. and subtle and quiet. But to me, there is one shutter sound that towers Above all the others and you have not mentioned it. Wait a minute. What is that? Towers. The SX-70. The SX-70. Oh, that's
1: true. You're right.
0: You're right. The SX-70. The sound of that shutter and then it's spitting out the motor whirs and it spits out the picture. Yeah. I think you might be able to argue that along with the nikon motor drive that is yeah definitely the iconic su- shutter sound yep oh my god i wish i knew this but i don't remember it now the shutter sound that they used for the iphone camera oh right i'm gonna look you're it gonna up, look it up right on this spot yeah it is oh oh my god what is it oh this is amazing are you ready yes it's a canon ae1 you're kidding it's the AE-1. I would never have guessed that. I would never have guessed that either. No. How about that, gang? Wow. There is an article on Petapixel that talks about this, that a engineer named Jim Reeks, who worked as a sound engineer at Apple, recorded it. That is phenomenal. Wow. That's some good he info. He recorded it using a 70s Canon AE-1 he bought back in high school. Love that. <laughs> well, see, I he love says, that Here's part. A, he, This is a great quote. He says, Anytime you take a photo with the iPhone, it's my camera, which kind of (laughs) freaks me out because even to this day, when I hear people take photos with their iPhone, I look to see who stole my camera. Oh, that's so good. That is great. Love it. Wow. Great, great trivia note. There you go, guys. Don't say that we don't. We educate and entertain. (laughs) Okay. Oh, my goodness. Next topic. Yes. Hey, how do you feel about sparocket holes? And rebates on photos. I,
1: I got to tell you, I used to be addicted to that. Ah. That feel to show the sprocket holes when you're printing. Yeah. Oh, I think that was extremely cool. And I think what I really love is when you see blown up negatives, like just blown up huge
0: negatives with yes. the sprocket holes.
1: That yeah. I think is, I think that's really, really cool.
0: I love it. I love it too. I love sloppy borders. I think sloppy borders are great. I love seeing the rebate so I could see what film stock it was shot on. And the extent to which I love that will probably tell you that when it is fake, oh, do I hate it. I hate the Instagram filters and things (laughs) that put a fake little rebate or put fake sprocket holes around it. Oh, that to me is like the Leicas with the fake brassing. It's so bad. Well, there is so bad. there
1: is a uh, there is this giant blow up. Uh, I don't know if you know the artist Jimmy McHugh. Uh, he's a photographer. And anyway, amazing. My neighbors are you know Rick and Adele Carter, and Adele's brother is Jimmy McHugh, and you might know Jimmy McHugh, the songwriter, who was their father. Mm. Anyway, oh, okay. so Jimmy's an amazing photographer, but he. Had a show downtown and I went to it last month and it was, there was a giant, probably 10 foot by 15 foot blow up of his, a set of 120 negatives. Oh, does that sound good? Spectacular. Spectacular. That sounds great. I mean, all his photography is amazing,
0: but that was truly fantastic. In the same vein... Okay, we've talked a bit. We did a whole episode about the Leica Mystique. I believe that there is a Mystique associated probably with the Hasselblad. Right. Maybe the Roloflex TLR. What other cameras have an aura like that? Hmm. I would say
1: I think the aura comes from the photographers. I mean, in my head, it's like the dream. Like to me, the three, any three series Leica, you know what I mean? Yeah. It just, like, you think about all those old photographers and, like, they were getting those pictures out of those cameras in your head. You're going, how did you squint to it? You squint to focus it and you somehow got the greatest picture ever. Like, that stuff amazes me. I think the speed graphic.
0: Definitely. Those old press cameras. How did Ouija do it? That's what I want to know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think the SX-70, the original SX-70, has a certain vibe to it. I think anything with one of those flashbulb guns is my favorite. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you know, large format cameras that are made of wood, you know, those beautiful objects. 100%. Yep. And I've never shot with those, but it must be quite a thing. Yeah. Like when you're doing that, that, it really feels like the sitter has to stay very still, you know, like there's a lot of... You put the drape over your head. Yeah, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, drape over your head. There's a whole ritual associated with yeah. it, I think, adds to the mystique. Right. Are there any cheapo cameras? The Lomo, probably. The Lomo LCA right. has yeah. developed a bit of an aura and a mystique to it. Yep. Digital cameras are incapable of having that. Would <laughs> uh, not you sure, disagree? I'm sure there's one. No. I don't think... The there- Xpan pan Probably.
1: Maybe. Oh, wait, 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 wait. The Wide Lux definitely has an aura. Yeah, the Wide Lux for sure. For sure.
0: You know, this reminds me when I sold off the bulk of my CD collection and I had that few weeks of PTSD after I did it. But then I realized there's nothing that attaches you to a compact disc unless it's like signed by the band or something. There's nothing that, that attaches you. And I think digital in general... There's always this sort of sheet of ice between you and the experience, which is so odd. No, I, I get it. Okay, pricey new cameras and films was a Gabe idea. Ugh. What are your this thoughts just on this? makes me angry.
1: Ah! So, I mean, look, especially now you. Of course, you've you know, you've exposed Oz by saying that um, <laughs> by by saying that uh, that they're all FOMO. Um, you know, I mean FOMA section, it's like it's like, okay, well then why is it fifteen ninety nine a roll? I I mean there's I so many know. films that are fifteen ninety nine a roll. And if I want to get into photography, you know what I wouldn't be buying? Fifteen to sixteen dollar film. It's too much
0: money. No way. And it's just no it's way. crazy.
1: So it that frustrates
0: me. What's the most you've ever spent on a single roll of thirty five millimeter film or one twenty? I Honestly think it was maybe nine dollars. That's it. Yeah. I spent a little more on the last few rolls of Kodak Aerochrome. Got it. Which Dean Benici was selling on eBay, and the FPP was selling as infrachrome for a while because that is a film that will never come back. There will right. never be a 35 millimeter color infrared stock, and so I spent I think like it was like 25 bucks a roll. But that is a really special stock, right? That's never coming back, right? I spent 50 bucks on a pack of Polaroid chocolate. I did that a few times again. Never coming back. There right. will never be anything like it. Right. Pack film is dead. Infrared film, infrared color film is pretty dead. Yep. So I would do that. But yeah, 1899, 60, a oh no, new roll. Why? Come on. Too much. And you'd be scared to use it. Yep. You know, there is this, uh, in the wine world, there's this thing called Open That Bottle Night, Yes. Where you're supposed to like open the bottle of wine that you've been saving that you got as a gift or it's too valuable and you're supposed to have a party and have friends over. There should be open that film night. Yes. For the roll of film that's been that you've been hanging on to <laughs> cuz it's too valuable to use. We should absolutely do that. Let's definitely do that. And
1: also our oldest roll of film. We should shoot oh, yeah. our oldest roll of film. I have yeah. tons of
0: it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have an expired roll of color in my uh, Rolaflex right now. I'm very excited to shoot through. Because, you know, I don't do that very much. That's right. I don't do it very much. That's right. But I'm excited about that. Hey, look where we are. We're almost out of the hour. No, come on. Can you believe that? What? There's more stuff on the list, guys. Uh, (laughs) I can't believe it. I think we got through something like 25 topics in 60 minutes. We did pretty well. That's amazing. Pretty well. That's amazing. One final thing we want to say before we depart for the day. One of the titans of the film community and the podcasting community, Mike Gutterman, lost his dad. And we just want to send love to Mike. He is such an incredible guy. And he lost his dad to cancer. And he said that one of the things that was gratifying was how much photography he had it was something that he shared yeah. with his father and he yep. had lots of pictures and it was just a reminder of how beautiful and valuable photography is in the world and so we just want to send love to mike he's an incredible guy he's and been the so community us. i mean we're so lucky to have him and he's sort
1: of so encouraging and you know has helped us and it's it's just amazing
0: yeah this is a guy who's just lifted people up he is nothing but supportive and kind and so mike we love you so so healing thoughts your way. Absolutely. You know, I've lost my dad and there was nothing anybody could say that would help. It just takes time yep. and it is wonderful to know how many people love you at times like this because we don't always reach out to people and tell them. Yep. So, Mike, we, we're crazy about we're you. We're sending you love. Speaking of love, we also want to send love to Ms. Rachel Brewster-Wright. Oh, boy. The birth of her daughter. Amazing. My heart leapt with joy when I saw that first baby picture of Constance Mallory Brewster-Wright. Adorable. uh, I I actually posted on Rachel's Facebook. I said, finally, something to photograph. (laughs) Um, The picture, the first black and white of yawning Constance was so incredibly adorable. So cute. And and again, a reminder of what photography's for. I always give 35mm cameras as a gift to new parents. But uh, Constance is well set with parents who love photography. So... All the love to Rachel. My guess is she's going to be taking a little hiatus from Sunny Sixteen, but we're going to be thinking of her and keeping up with her. So love that. We love you, Rachel and Constance. Welcome to the world. So exciting. Anything else?
1: Mr. Yes, Zacks? I will say this. This is like the, one of those ridiculous teasers, but what we must say is we are going to have a camera giveaway in the near future. Yes. <gasps> we are going to be giving away two. 35 millimeter film cameras Ah, unbelievable and there is a lot more to the story but i'll leave it at that for now we will probably announce our next episode the cameras
0: and who we may be in cahoots with what oh yes if only we had a music sting creeping in at this point (laughs) which may already be happening that's right I'm very excited about that. It is cameras from the collection of Mr. Gabe Sachs, personally oh, yes. curated by the man himself. <laughs> As always, you can contact us through our respective Instagrams, I-M-S Jeff Greenstein. that is Gabe Sachs. Uh, we have the iDream of Cameras Instagram, and you can reach us more directly and more promptly through the iDream of Cameras at gmail.com address. We also direct you to our website, iDreamofCameras.com which features episodes, episode summaries, pictures of Gabe and me at various ages, um, and all of our lovely merch. We have merch.
1: Go for it. And we have to thank, of course, Fred Corey, who's a new Olympus OM-1 owner. Yes or at least almost uh, for all his amazing music and Keith Greenstein for your continuing contributions in the art world. And also Keith has made us now what we call professional. And what I mean by that is we now have a banner so that when we go to camera shows and we broadcast live as if we're a radio show, but I'll just say it anyway. So when we broadcast live, we're going to have a banner behind us and stickers So if you see us on the street, ask for stickers, because we have stickers. Demand a sticker if you see either one of us, because we're gonna be carrying them at all times. We give stickers away, we love, and actually, It's the greatest thing because I always see film photographers on the street, and I always go up to them, give them a sticker, and tell them to listen to the podcast, and it's very fun.
0: Absolutely.
1: So thank you, We also
0: want to thank our friends at The Dark Room for the shout-out. We picked up a couple of hundred followers. Yes, thank you. Because The Dark Room shouted us out. Uh, They mentioned that we mentioned Kai Wong's new book, which all of you guys should have, which is a beautiful book about kind of a starter kit for analog photography. Check that out. Golly, Gabe, this just went by. Yeah it really really
1: did it really did right. and I'm and I will say this uh, since you mentioned the dark room, and Trev Lee who's the darkroom and Phil and everyone is I love my M5 I gotta tell you oh, I, I love it I love the meter I'm that. getting the first roll back next week so we'll see but I really love you really yeah
0: alright any final words for our audience
1: that, please stay tuned for this camera giveaway it's very very exciting so um, that's all I can say for now and and uh, You know, shoot film as always. That's what we like. Yes. We'll see you in two weeks, gang. See you in two weeks. Thank you.